came back from there and went into uh, there's a wave pool um, in Bristol an artificial wave pool wave garden pool and um, was enjoying waves there with my friends but wasn't feeling too good and realized whilst I was in the water in this session surfing that I was really um, missing waves and not really being myself so um, I was getting sicker and I thought I got to get out of this because I'm not feeling good at all I just lost track of uh, time and everything sort of went very strange and dreamlike and had my first stroke whilst with my friends watching some other surfers. The scariest thing I have ever, (laughs) ever had um, experienced, I suppose. It was pain-free. My symptoms were classic, so I was sort of a bit dazed and confused early on. Then I noticed my left arm had kind of just almost when the blood is drained and you can't use it, I was kind of, I couldn't feel my left arm at all. And it wasn't, you know, it was sort of just flopping down by my side. Soon after that, a tingle went straight up my left, well, my face really, real pins and needly feeling. And then that was it. I was alert then. I knew from lifeguarding and first aid practice that I do and have been doing, I was suddenly looking at myself, looking at my symptoms and very quickly was like, this is serious, I need to get help. But in that split second of wanting to get help, uh, I then lost all sort of like um, vocabulary. So I was just mumbling. I could hear myself. I sounded drunk, but I was shouting for help. The stroke only happened for a short while, really, in that respect. I lost track of time. Yeah, I was in hospital and they were doing lots of checks. And I suppose I presented them with a bit of a problem because I was talking and walking and acting quite normally by this stage. I was sent home well to my I was staying uh, with my family and then was called back to the hospital the next day to um, have further investigations and that's when my life changed completely when a consultant told me I'd had a stroke Hello, Mark Goodyear here. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. In this episode we hear from Danny Tear from Cornwall. Danny suffered a stroke at the age of 44. Brought up in Derbyshire, in the Peak District. That's where my home uh, originally started. My parents both keen on the outdoor sort of activities, sports, and we would spend most of our time in the beautiful outdoors. And it was a rich a rich place to uh, grow up in the Peak District. Climbing, mountain biking, or canoeing, everything in between. We just threw ourselves at it most of the time. Then I started to look at other sports. So I was kind of getting into, I suppose people might think they're adrenaline things, but, you know, sort of sports that were going to get me really, you know, interested and active. So I was skateboarding then and BMXing and stuff. And I suppose crossed over to surfing. That took me away from the Peak District. And I traveled sort of the world, chasing waves, working, lifeguarding and teaching surfing as well. So that was pretty much my younger years, I eventually ended up in Cornwall. Cornwall being uh, in the UK has a larger sort of tourist base and activities flourish around that with a longer season. So lots of work for me down here. And that's where I met my wife whilst working as a surf instructor. We started a family together. My first stroke happened in 2019. I had been on a surf trip with some really close friends in France I came back from there and went into, uh, there's a wave pool um, in Bristol, an artificial wave pool, wave garden pool, and um, was enjoying waves there with my friends, but wasn't feeling too good. And realised whilst I was in the water in this session surfing that I was really um, 
missing waves and not really being myself. So um, I was getting sicker and I thought I've got to get out of this because um, I'm not feeling good at all. So I had the sense, I suppose, to remove myself from the session. And yeah, unfortunately, um, soon after that, I, I just lost track of uh, time and everything sort of went very strange and dreamlike and had my first stroke whilst with my friends watching some other surfers. The scariest thing I have ever, <laughs> ever had um, experienced, I suppose. It was pain-free. My symptoms were classic. So I was sort of a bit dazed and confused early on. Then I noticed my left arm had kind of just almost when the blood is drained and you can't use it. I was kind of, I couldn't feel my left arm at all. And it wasn't, you know, it was sort of just flopping down by my side. I thought that was just because um, I'd been leaning against the wall. Maybe it was just something. I know I was, I was, I wasn't thinking it was a stroke at all at 44 years old and uh, as active uh, and everything that I, uh, that I had been. And then, yeah, soon after that, a tingle went straight up my left, well, up my face, really, real pins and needly feeling. And then that was it. I was alert then. I knew from lifeguarding and first aid practice that I, I do and have been doing, I was suddenly looking at myself, looking at my symptoms, and very quickly was like, this is serious. I need to get help. But in that split second of wanting to get help, uh, I then lost all sort of like um, vocabulary. So I was just mumbling. I could hear myself. I sounded drunk, but I was shouting for help. Thankfully, one of my best friends who was there is also a lifeguard and, and trained. And he at first probably thought I was messing around, a bit of a joke, but um, then saw the seriousness in my eyes. And as I collapsed onto the floor, I could see him and my other mate holding me and just sort of I suppose, reassuring me. And when I knew that they both had my back and they were getting, I could hear them getting assistance and 999 and all the emergency service sort of stuff, I then knew that I kind of relaxed. I was like, right, the help is on the way. I stayed conscious for the entire time. I was uh, aware of the ambulance. We went to hospital. The stroke only happened for a short while, really, in that respect. I lost track of time. Yeah, I was in hospital and they were doing lots of checks. And I suppose I presented them with a bit of a problem because I was talking and walking and acting quite normally by this stage i was sent home well to my i was staying uh, with my family and then was called back to the hospital the next day to um have further investigations and that's when my life changed completely when a consultant told me i'd had a stroke it was a tumor that caused danny's stroke this tumor is called a pheochromocytoma what it would do would spike my blood pressure with adrenaline so it was a tumour that was just allowing high doses of adrenaline into my into my body. And when that happened, my body wasn't really able to deal with it. So my blood pressure was going way high and all sorts of crazy things were happening to me physically. And that's, uh, unfortunately, the reason for my strokes. So I was still unknown to this. So this happened, uh, my first stroke was, I think, October. I came home to Cornwall. I uh, was on a waiting list to see some stroke consultant. And unfortunately, the tumour wasn't going to wait. We didn't know about it. And maybe a couple of months, three months after that first stroke, I was very, very, very ill. The tumour came to come back and, uh, well, not gone away, but it came and uh, got me again. So this time it was huge. I was taken to my local hospital. I'd been having seizures. My wife found me at home. I'd just done the school run. Uh, my wife found me at home on the living room floor. I remember her holding me and I think she was yeah getting the paramedic. Ambulance took me to my local hospital. I was there for a few days just while they were trying to figure out what was going on, trying to stabilize me, but my blood pressure was all over the place. 
I was um, having, uh, I had this massive seizure that had dislocated and fractured my arm. So I, my shoulder was um, all out. And then, yeah, the scan uh, eventually got me to go for a scanner and they saw a tumour on my uh, kidney, the adrenal gland. And then I was ambulanced to Oxford because there's not many hospitals that are local to Cornwall there that can actually deal with this tumour. So I needed specialist surgery. John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxford, I there was now moved to, so that's 250 miles away from home. My wife was able to come with me, but I don't remember much of my time in John Radcliffe. Um, I was there for two weeks. They had a day surgery to remove the adrenal gland tumour, and then I had another day surgery to put metal and some screws and pins into my shoulder. Then I had more strokes in my hospital bed. What I'd done in my seizure is I'd actually dissected one of my veins in my neck, and this was now causing blood clots in my in my system and uh, unfortunately I was told I had another four I think strokes in my hospital bed so quite a lot going on there <laughs> covid came around as well so this is now 2020 february i was told in the hospital to pretty much get out the uk covid situation was just about to start and we kind of were aware of what that uh, meant it was scary times so i came back to cornwall and hid away for a long time i think but it was a good thing uh, i had my family around me. I couldn't do much else. And that's my surgery and hospital stuff, I suppose. The um, strokes then had now left me uh, physically more uh, an impact and also cognitively. So I still have various issues that I, I can hide. I'm thankful and grateful that I can hide most of my disabilities, but most of my stroke related issues. Danny's stroke had left him with serious mobility and cognitive issues. For the 44 years of my life, I had, I suppose, had a, an active life. I was uh, a father to five-year-old twins. I've been a husband then for about five, maybe 10 years. I'd been active since I was like six months old. I would run marathons, take part in as many activities as I could. It was um, sport was a passion and, and more, more of a passion, but a, a, a lifestyle. When I was in the hospital bed, I do remember looking out of the hospital window and thinking how the wow how do i get out of this one you know i've been in some <laughs> silly and uh, i suppose rather strange situations in those in those years that i've been accustomed to those 44 years but this one was now the worst like uh, situation i could probably imagine uh, i needed help to walk uh, i struggled talking there was cables coming in out of my body doing all of my pretty much all of my functions were through um, hospital machines now it did i mean at that point i was aware that right i'm in a fix now and i was grabbing anyone that was in my hospital come to my bed like physios or, or nurses anyone uh, consultants doctors not grabbing them physically but getting their attention because i wanted the answer or some form of plan for me to get better that's what I focused on. And there were some beautiful people in that kind of early stages of my recovery. So, And also when I came home to Cornwall in Campbell, the, the early stages, so confusing, so frightening. But each day, slowly, things got better. And as I started setting small goals, just to grab uh, maybe a, a, a tea cup from, the, the, you know, like a mug from the uh, shelf, just to sort of work both sides, I was aware of right, left side, right side. Let's get the you know get the coordination. Let's. I started developing my own little, as well as the physio stuff. I started developing my own little exercises to repeat, repeat, repeat. 
to um, slowly build back. And uh, and that's the thing, isn't it? You, you, it's such a life-changing event or events that time is one of the healers but it's it's at the time <laughs> at that particular point i didn't i wasn't going to accept it i was just looking everywhere for answers and, and trying to search for answers but um in reflection now uh yeah it, those answers aren't there all the time you've just got to um be patient that brain or my brain anyway needed to just settle down have that kind of time to rebond with relationships with my family of friends but also to rebond with myself i needed to start understanding myself again and that wasn't something i was ever ready for little tasks i would repeat repeat uh, i say it was covid uh, so we were all pretty much housebound if you like um for the for the rules that were going on in the uk then i developed like little with my kids sort of like little uh, like a gym like an outside gym and kind of played around with little things to keep me busy and try and um try and move forward so I was the first I would say three months six months were unbearable I was a completely different person and I was angry I mean I was so angry with with everyone with the world with with me with why me you know this this um wasn't ready for that life-changing event which which is a stroke and all the stuff that came with it i just was not ready and so i was supposed i was angry and grieving for for a while because i was like this shouldn't have happened to me you know why me you know I, what what have i done to deserve this it was all this stuff floating around in my head and i was really ready to just i suppose lash out just have an argument or just be upset I got some counselling, which was uh, something I'd never really probably thought of or even would have considered before that. Counselling really helped me. What is Danny Poststroke going to do? You know, Danny Poststroke has got potential. What is that potential? You know, we just don't know yet. So Poststroke Danny started to turn things around with this positivity and stubbornness i suppose in a way but this positivity with my family with my kids and that it was like right there's every opportunity at any point here for me to go yeah i've had enough of this this is rubbish you know the world sucks you know it's got it in for me and there was days there was moments when that is the case but also there was becoming more days where it's like oh wow i just did this i i've just done that i've we've gone out here as a family we're going there I don't need that wheelchair when we when we're out and about now. I don't need that stick uh, for walking. I'm talking better and slowly it took a long time but slowly these things started changing for me. And once that started happening, that seed was sown. I was like, right, what is the potential of this post-stroke Danny? This this new Danny. What is that? And that's what just sent me off on another path. Coming up, Danny talks about helping other stroke survivors. I help with local community groups, stroke survivors. I got so much help in originally by attending our local stroke community group that I carry on attending and we help each other, I suppose. It's just a, a case of once a month, it's a, it's a cup of tea. Basically, uh, it's a drop-in sort of cafe style thing and people come and go as they want, really being a part of that community feels like it helps me as well but also we, we can share our experiences and that that really was a big a big moment in our in my life when i was able to share with other people and he reflects on the changes to his life bottom line for me is that yes from when i 
was in hospital to where I am now, and what's that, three and a half years, I would not probably recognize that, uh, myself if I was to see Danny 2020 and now Danny 2023, very different individuals. Recovery just takes time. Let's catch up on Danny's progress. I got back to work after a year, uh, so that gas in, that was the biggest thing financially. Another aspect of having a life-changing event is changes a lot of things for you. Uh, I was then the main income for the family full-time and doing the, the extra shifts that you can and the overtime to, to keep your family going and try and um, get on uh, in, in life. So yeah, that was a, a massive hit to us. So I was a year without that full-time work and also with the thought that am I ever going to get work? Am I ever going to be able to get any sort of job? Am I Am I able to work? So those thoughts, really big conversations that we were talking like, okay, how do we earn money now? How do we change this? How do we do that? And there's some, we got a lot of support and help from the charity sort of um, side of it. I mean, the associations that are out there, also from friends and family. So important. There was good days and bad days, but I got back to work in 2020, just in the winter there. And that's back to my job as a heating engineer. So I work for a local company. I have now retaken all my exams because there is obviously for the gas safe stuff and yeah, I've done all the exams again. And they, they were hard uh, as a stroke survivor with uh, cognitive issues, but actually, you know, there's adaptions that you can do and you can ask for help and it, it all connected for me. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I'm back into most of my sports and activities. Surfing was always my passion and addiction, I suppose. <laughs> Surfing is difficult for me post-stroke in my balance is affected certain moves uh, with my surgeries that i have and also physical stroke stuff now changes how i can paddle and now i can surf so i don't stand up surf so much what i chose to do was someone said to me if you can't stand up then try laying down and so i looked at that as a there's adaptive surfing there's adaptive all sorts in any uh, sort of uh, sport or activity there's a way around thing you can just change things maybe the purists are like oh you know danny before and would have done this and done it but danny is now a, a new danny and so i treat it as what makes me happy and i now do body surfing i've been very fortunate in how i've recovered and i help with local community groups stroke survivors i got so much help in originally by attending our local stroke community group that I carry on attending and we help each other, I suppose. It's just a, a case of once a month, it's a, it's a cup of tea. Basically, uh, it's a drop-in sort of cafe style thing and people come and go as they want, really. Being a part of that community feels like it helps me as well, but also we, we can share our experiences and that, that really was a big, a big moment in, our, in my life when I was able to share with other people. Danny found that asking for help accelerated his recovery. In my experience as a stroke survivor, I would probably encourage that stroke survivor to ask for help. I found it quite hard to ask for help. Um, maybe, you know, because I felt I was always strong enough and, you know, that, that you know, the strong guy kind of role perhaps. But when, uh, when I was really um, after the stroke, when I was really uh, an angry person and, 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 in a, and in a very bad way, physically and mentally, I'm glad that someone had said that to me. Maybe not intentionally because I was uh, showing uh, you know, signs of anger and depression, but that 
I acknowledged it at the time as well when it was said. I was I was um, talking to a friend and that best friend had mentioned it and I was I had to just drop that kind of defence and accept that asking for help, I'm glad that I did because it changed the course. For me, it changed the course of then of my recovery because I clearly had to accept some things and maybe talking through isn't everyone's answer, but I think generally I would say to anyone from a mental health point of view, seek out that help because it is hard. It is very hard. And sometimes that help doesn't come for you. You have to go and ask for it. So that would be my advice there as a stroke survivor. Also, perhaps on the back of that, things do slowly get better. You know, there's no limit to how that improvement perhaps can be because they were all unique everyone has a unique story a unique journey of recovery but bottom line for me is that yes from when i was in hospital to where i am now and what's that three and a half years i would not probably recognize that myself if i was to see danny 2020 and now danny 2023 very different individuals recovery just takes time Danny's stroke was caused by a tumour on his adrenal gland, which interfered with the amount of adrenaline in his bloodstream. He's made excellent progress, and he's back working full-time. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting Stroke Stories. Please do continue to share with anybody you think it might help. And if you are, or you know of a stroke survivor, and there's a story you can share with us, please do contact via X or Instagram. Our DMs are open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Listener.